I'm the operator with my pocket calculator. Welcome once again to Radio In Vivo, your link to the Triangle Science community here on WCOMLP Chapel Hill and Carborough. This is Ernie Hood. I am a freelance science writer, and each week here on the program, we bring you cutting-edge information about what's going on in science here in the Triangle area, one of the world's leading hubs of scientific research, development, and innovation. You can email us at radioinvivo at earthlink.net, and you can access a full archive of our hundreds of past programs over the past 12 years at radioinvivo.net. The Burroughs Welcome Fund is a Golden Voices underwriter here on WCOM and Radio In Vivo. The Burroughs Welcome Fund supports excellence in science education across North Carolina. The fund believes that providing students with engaging and interactive curriculum helps to spark curiosity for careers in science, mathematics, and technology. <laughs> you can learn about education grant opportunities for North Carolina schools and teachers at www.bwfund.org. Radio In Vivo is underwritten by Chapel Hill Eye Care, located at 235 South Elliott Road in Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill Eye Care provides comprehensive eye care to people of all ages. Healthy eyes for a lifetime. Chapel Hill Eye Care, 919-968-4774. Radio In Vivo is also underwritten by the Triangle Center for Evolutionary Medicine, or TRISAM, a nonprofit center exploring the intersection of evolutionary science and medicine. TRISAM is jointly operated by Duke University, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, North Carolina State University, and North Carolina Central University. TRISAM is an incubator that promotes innovative developments in the theory and practice of evolutionary medicine by fostering cross-disciplinary collaborations among triangle-based scholars, physicians, public health workers, and more. Radio In Vivo is supported by NC State University's Genetic Engineering and Society, or GES Center. The GES Center works to integrate scientific knowledge and public values shaping the futures of biotechnology. Positioned at the nexus of science and technology, social sciences, and humanities, the center engages in collaborative research, education, and engagement by generating knowledge and fostering balanced and inclusive dialogue around emerging genetic engineering technologies and its products. Learn more by visiting the GES Center website research.ncsu.edu slash GES and follow them on Twitter at GES Center NCSU. Finally, Radio and Vivo is underwritten by Gene Centric Therapeutics Incorporated for Research Triangle Park. Gene Centric is pioneering the advanced classification of cancers for more effective drug development and more accurate diagnosis and treatment of patients through its core technology the Cancer Subtype Platform. More information is available at genecentric.com. WCOM and Radio On Vivo thank this terrific group of underwriters for their support. Periodically here on Radio On Vivo, we like to check in with the Triangle's vibrant startup community. And this week, we are thrilled to feature a young company on the verge 
of major success in the pharmaceutical industry. Panasutics Incorporated isn't bringing any new drugs to market, but they are poised to disrupt the industry by devising a whole new method of delivering them. Their platform promises to jumpstart the movement toward personalized medicine. We'll find out, find out how they've done it and what they have planned for the future as we meet the company's co-founders, Edison Hudson and Staten Noel III. Chief Science Officer Staten Noel worked in the pharmaceutical industry for many years, including more than 20 years at Glaxo and GSK, where he was in drug discovery, pharmacology, and biotechnology. He received his BS in biochemistry from NC State in 1994 and earned his MS in gerontology and his MBA from UNC Greensboro in 2012. From 2011 to 2017, he served as a director of the Office of Innovation and Commercialization at UNCG. So he knows whereof he speaks. Staten, welcome, welcome to Radio in Vivo. Thanks for having us, Ernie. Edison Hudson is the Chief Technology Officer at Pharmaceutics. He was formerly Senior Director at iRobot Corporation and has previously founded five technology companies with three successful e exits and two IPOs. Uh, and we may need to get an update on that according to our conversation. He holds over 25 patents and has de developed and installed high-speed automation systems for dozens of Fortune 500 companies. He received his BA from UNC Chapel Hill in 1975, his MBA from Duke in 1979, and studied engineering science at Oxford through 1983. Edison, thanks for joining me today on Radio In Vivo. It's a great pleasure, Ernie. Gentlemen, I want to hear much more about each of you individually, uh, and, and of course get the whole story about the company and its history. But I think first we should put all of that in context by starting out talking about what Panasutics is offers uh, in the marketplace today. It's really unique and revolutionary, uh, and I want to be sure that our listeners appreciate those qualities uh, as we move forward. So either one or both of you, uh, tell us about Panasutic's personalized nutrition and pharmaceutical delivery platforms. First, let's focus on the pharmaceutical side of things. All right. Um, well, Staten is probably better qualified to speak to the science of the pharmaceuticals. I was interested in his, the discussions we had six or seven years ago about all of the work that had been done in pharmacogenomics and what that was going to mean. It seemed to me that this would be a fundamental sea change in healthcare. Um, and what he said was, you know, we have a lot of data, we know how drugs work differently in different individuals, but there's not really a good way to deliver these to the individual based on their individual characteristics, on their phenotype, on their genotype. And so that was the challenge that was laid down, was how do you end up uh, making the right drug, right dose, right combination that matches up to the individual's um, uh, profile genetically, um, even their uh, age, sex, weight. All of these are factors in how pharmaceuticals work in an individual, sure. um, the side effects that they produce. So we saw that challenge. Um, I had been in essentially in the business of applying robotics and automation to a range of things. 
a lot of my career had been spent in the semiconductor and electronics industry, and I saw some parallels there where there are standardized components, call them you know drugs, and in the case of electronics, it might be resistors, capacitors, ICs, et cetera. But you could build many, many different varieties of products using a different methodology than was commonly used in the pharmaceutical industry. Pharmaceutical industry seems to think more about coming up with the ingredient first, and the last thing they think about is manufacturing. In a lot of other industries, the first thing you think about is how are we going to make it. So we've sort of turned that whole paradigm upside down, developed the automation that can take data about an individual and almost like a printer produce a right drug, right dose, right combination for that person. So what we're doing on the pharmaceutical side is taking some commonly prescribed generic pharmaceuticals, not ones that we're, we've invented, but ones that are supplied by drug manufacturers, and um, based on your profile, picking the right drug uh, and putting it together with the other ones that you take. So I mean, a very common cases, if you have a heart attack or a stroke, um, or, or have a, uh, a diagnosis of cardiovascular disease, you're likely to be taking three to six medications every day. Right. Um, and the problems that causes for people, um, just in keeping all of their prescriptions on hand, um, taking them on a regular basis, means that a lot of people just drop out. They don't e continue to take them with the results that they're at risk for either second events um, or uh, uh, events too soon in life. So there was a real challenge to, to, to apply, in a first case, uh, this methodology that we have of taking all these drugs and turning them into something that's easy to take, easy to swallow, more like taking a little packet of pudding than, uh, than taking a handful of pills. So yeah. the technology we've built is essentially uh, does that variable dosing made to the person and puts it in into a form that's easy to take so that's that's what we are striving to do um, yeah. and really trying trying to give a product that addresses the pill fatigue or the poly pill product pro problem that people have mm -hmm. as they take more and more drugs um, and as Edison said it's easy to swallow it's not a pill it's more of a, a in a pudding form we have flavors that taste well. <laughs> yep. It tastes good. Some people don't like some flavors. Some people like the other flavors. So sure. that's the product offering. Is a, so it is a different mindset from delivering just pills. We're looking at it being more in a uh, more natural way to consume your, your ingredients. Well, it, it's a great idea. And I want to uh, get you to tell me a little bit more about how the whole system works because you've really thought it through from from start to finish. Um, well, unfortunately, radio doesn't have great pictures. So yeah, I, I, wish, we we I wish we could do that. <laughs> but we will have links when, once we put this up. Oh, great. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, it's really very much, uh, it's a software-driven concept from the beginning. So everything, uh, there's a possibility of essentially creating a formulation of standard ingredients. Um, where literally a doctor or a, a, a um, in the case of dietary supplements, a, a dietitian can say, uh, I want this ingredient, this many milligrams per day, and describe it. Um, or you can take something, uh, a condition, and say, okay, for joint pain and joint conditions, 
these are, are the ingredients that you would put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the doctor um, can modify it to, uh, to basically suit the individual. Um, Staten has been working on some software this past year with uh, UNC uh, Eshelman School of Pharmacy to uh, look at the data that's available on uh, from PGX data, from genetic data, mm-hmm. and how people respond differently to different um, uh, drugs. So, for instance, some people get muscle pain from certain statins and not from others. Uh, they may get it from higher doses. Um, and so that software drives the system. And then I think probably the best analogy is that the output of that software goes to something that it's easiest to think about as a printer where instead of colors of ink, uh, each one of the uh, inputs is a different drug. Um, and the, uh, the system uh, titrates uh, or doses um, whatever's in the formula that came from the software. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is tailored to the individual. Tailored to the individual. Yeah. So this is what we call N of one. Um, right. and, and then uh, it, it, uh, it homogenizes that together with, as what Staten was saying, a flavor base. So it could be a pudding, it could be a fru- fruit puree. In some cases, uh, the dietary supplements, we actually use fruit purees to make it taste good. Um, well, that you anticipated my next question, cause yeah. and it's, it's an obvious one. You know, how, how do you take these drugs, which are often very bitter mm-hmm. in taste, and get overcome that that taste issue. Uh, yeah, and, and get there's get two ways we there's two ways we handle that. So on the nutritional products, we actually have built rule engines into the software that we know how much ingredient you put in there before you start having a really bad taste. Sure. And we have software um, that also allows us to add sweeteners and things like that to mask that tasting. So it's uh, dial it up. We can make it taste well. On the pharmaceutical side, we're taking a little different approach uh, where the active ingredients will be in an encapsulation. Um, and that masks a lot of their tastes. And it also pervert, um, preserves some of their stability um, and reduces interactions with other things in, in that, that media. So um, one thing back to what Edison was talking about, how this works. There was an aha moment we had, I mean, in, in the creation of this. And uh, it goes back to his experience in dispensing powders um, or uh, uh, trying to dispense liquids or trying to dispense oils. We, when we thought of this, we thought there would be many different things we had to dispense. So how would you make a, a machine that covered all of those? And we had an aha moment of how to suspend things in a suspension that's essentially a thixotrophic material, which then it's stable and homogeneous in its sort of semi-solid state, but when you pu- apply pressure, to it or shear it then becomes liquid and we can then uh, we can dispense that way so there was an aha technical moment we filed patents around that okay. uh, and those patents were issued really quickly after uh, one office action and uh, well, we got four years four years <laughs> <laughs> by the uh, that's you know, pretty quick for well, the patent yes. office the patent though. office it's only a matter of how quickly they how many times they make you uh, respond to office action so we only had one and we got those uh, mm-hmm. uh, granted so that was the aha moment of how do you do this at that level well the the concept uh, of this is just fascinating and with your proprietary software and the the high speed automated manufacturing system you can actually i understand produce 
A 30-day supply of gel packs for an individual containing up to 20 ingredients in less than four minutes. That, that is mind-boggling. And you can do it all day long uh, and uh, really produce at a, at a high scale. And, and very accurately, we, we, have a, uh, we also own um, uh, some compounding pharmacies. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's part of our regulatory path is we, we have some uh, 503A and a 503B, which is one's regulated by the, by the state and one is regulated by the federal, um, by the FDA. Um, and so um, in those, uh, uh, they've been making personalized medicine to doctor's orders for decades. Sure. Um, and they do it by... PharmDs, there's five PharmDs and, and a whole room full of pharm pharmacy technicians, and they weigh out things, and they use formula formulas that are uh, published formulas, and then they combine things for patients. Um, oftentimes, they grind up pills um, for someone that has a swallowing problem or, or a child that won't take pills, um, and they, they combine them, and it's done manually. So for something like the cardiovascular formulation that we were talking about, it might take 45 minutes to an hour to fill one prescription um, in in a system that we really just recently begun to run in production we'll probably get that time down to about two minutes wow. uh, mm -hmm. and so uh, essentially all of the ingredients are prepared in advance um, so you have a torvastatin You'd have a Ramparil, uh, which is a blood pressure medication. Mm -hmm. You'd have all of these. These are essentially like ink cartridges um, with the stabilized uh, drug in them. And the technician is called to put all of these um, uh, ingredients on the machine. And then the machine pulls from uh, the sterile storage media uh, and makes the combination. And it takes almost no time for the robot to do that. Wow. The biggest time it takes, actually, uh, in the whole process is washing out the ingredients of the previous uh, formula. Sure. Um, and so we've, we've also been discussing with uh, uh, some, some of our commercial partners that want to make not in of one, but in a 5,000 or in a 10,000. So and they know that there are clusters of people that will be wanting essentially the same combinations. And, 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 but rather than having to make these in the tens of millions, we can make an N of 5,000. And in that case, the time per, per, per order size goes down to about a minute. Wow. So, mm -hmm. so it's because we then basically are running the same ingredients over and over again. We don't have to wash out. Right. Uh, for cross-contamination. So it's a very interesting technology. We still have lots more to learn about how to optimize it, but already it's fast enough that we could supply a major hospital's uh, uh, patient load for certain disease states, and, um, and, and that's uh, with just one uh, line of equipment that fits yeah. in, in a couple of thousand square feet. We, ca we often joke that we have the most high-tech blender and dishwasher <laughs> in the world. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> right. And and pasteurizer. I mean, yeah. so we also sterilize things and make them shelf stable. So, lots of technology content. Um, but as you say, we really wake up every day with just fascination about all the different ways that it can be applied. Sure. Well, it's uh, it, it's amazing that nobody nobody else came up with this. 
you know, before I, before you all, there was it must be a I culmination. The, the people have tried and have thought about it, but like I said, Edison and I had an aha moment, and I th- also think that the the market is right for it now. Sure, I think at times it wasn't right, and there's yeah. there are people out there who do pill aggregation where they just put those together in an easy pack, and that improves. Mm-hmm. outcomes and adherence but it's not still they still suffer from pill fatigue um taking too many pills and um and swallowing issues and so it's not the ideal solution and i think edison and i if we had done it ever maybe we'd done a simpler solution but we went for the ideal solution right out of the bat right. <laughs> and, right. uh, and that's what we're working towards the ideal personalized solution well the the question i have is the the robotic system that that actually physically puts these things together um, how does it handle quality assurance and compliance with some very stringent uh, FDA manufacturing guidelines Uh, I've toured some pharmaceutical manufacturing plants in my day and it is unbelievable that something in a relatively small package doing what you're doing can can right. actually meet those guidelines. Well, uh, so uh, uh, you know the FDA is tough. There's lots of guidelines, and it's a terrifically complex thing just to understand all the guidelines and to keep up with them as they change. And mm-hmm. um, but uh, in the semiconductor industry, uh, I said that you know we didn't have the FDA, but we had the laws of physics. <laughs> and so uh, if you didn't adhere to to the process very very closely and do everything exactly the same way every time uh, the product just doesn't work I mean so you don't get yield Mm -hmm. so in the design of this system we have built in sensors so we measure everything from flows to pH to temperature um, and we measure it constantly um, and we measure weights and volumes very very accurately throughout the process so and all of that is recorded um, and logged uh, in the process of making every single customers orders to the extent that we know where all the ingredients came from um, uh, and it's recorded in the record where that ingredient came from what the quality tests were on it all those things come along and then actually every step that happened and we've we've built the machine to be you know pretty much um, uh, foolproof from the standpoint that an operator cannot perform a task out of sequence or out of specification it basically rejects it so you know in the in systems where it's depending on manual systems and I just wanted to say you know our uh, uh, triangle compounding and carry which is uh, our, our uh, major operation there mm-hmm. their technicians are as as good as they get they they are um, they're uh, all certified and and uh, and and a, uh, a very high caliber but but human beings are human beings, and um, and things happen that uh, in in any manual process where even if you don't do it correctly, or you just don't write it down. I mean, the the hard thing is to write down every single thing you do. A robot has no problem with that. Right. It just records everything and logs it away, and that's that's the basis of our design. So, where are your manufacturing facilities currently? Well, there's uh, the uh, the the pharmacy is in is in Cary. The uh, the uh, the automated manufacturing facility right now is in uh, is at Six Davis Drive, um, mm-hmm. uh, right next to the uh, RTP Foundation. Um, so we're happy to be in um, 
uh, in uh, in uh, what was the Hamner, it used to be the, the Hamner, Hamner, Hamner Institute. Institute. So before that, it was the Chemical Industry Institute of Toxicology. Right. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, so we, we, are, we are back to the yeah. original buildings that were probably the first buildings in, uh, in RTP. And, um, yeah. and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the new owner of that property, Alexandria Properties, um, completely rebuilt an entire wing for us. Uh, to our specifications, wow. and um, and it's it's a beautiful facility. It's state of the art in every way. It's it's a a clean room facility um, with very high standards in everything from water purification to the air purification and controls of access. So we do all the things that you would normally see in a pharmaceutical facility, but we have a very few number of people making uh, a large number of products. Sure. But our, uh, our expansion is we recently did a, a deal with the state of Virginia and Danville, Virginia, to build a manufacturing facility up there. Um, it was announced by the governor of Virginia. It was a pretty exciting time for our company, but it's a 12,000-square-foot manufacturing facility that we're in a very sh in months we will have up and running um, to run m uh, the nutritional products and produce the right. nutritional products up I there. See. Okay. So how how many sorry. lines are currently uh, running? There, there's just one line. Just the one? Uh, okay. One line. And, uh, but essentially it's a, uh, the way I design machines and lines is you, we this is actually our second generation and uh, we'll tweak this second generation and then we'll start making copies of them. So um, rather than scaling by going from five liters to 50 liters, we make um, more copies of the same line. And this is the philosophy that's used in the semiconductor and electronics industry. You need more capacity, just put in more lines and incrementally grow the capacity. So uh, this one line can do about 10,000 uh, patients a month with orders. So when we need, uh, and when we get to close to that level, we'll add a second line. You're going to need more than that. Uh, I <laughs> think we th we're pretty sure we are. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the facility in Danville will be will be able to do about a hundred thousand people a month um, when mm -hmm. it's fully uh, capacity. Excellent. Well, um, I'd like you to walk us through how this system works with an individual patient. Does it start at the physician level? Is that where it? It begins? Um, we have several different channels that we're working through. So um, w that's one channel. We could start there. But our, uh, our one of our products we're working as with a, in, a, in the nutrition space would be with the consumer on, a, uh, on their compu computer and going through a survey of what their uh, current dietary needs are. And on the back end, after they do that survey, we would have sort of some recommendations where they might be deficient, might think they need a, a product. Mm -hmm. And then now is that, that the biosimulation model? That, I was that, no, about? that that doesn't really incorporate any of that information. I see. Um, that's more survey based on uh, FDA, um, RDA, you know, RDAs and uh, FDA recommendations for mm -hmm. your dietary needs. Okay. That's a consumer-based product. We're really trying to get down to what their needs are on that point. Eventually, and we are starting to look at partners that will actually test your blood levels so we actually know if you're deficient on that. That's, that, that's our ideal situation where they'll send a test of that. We're not currently doing that yet, but we're building the software to handle that. And so that's that model. On the pharmaceutical model, it would start with a physician. Uh, our particular uh, group that we're working with down in Florida is looking to treat patients that have had the coronary artery bypass grafting surgery. And so they would start with a prescription 
that prescription would be based on that person's uh, genetic profile um, and then if they w they needed a particular statin versus another we would do that uh, and then the order goes to our compounding pharmacy that would be made and fulfilled and so it's sent directly to the patient so it's a direct-to-consumer patient uh, model on that the biosimulation piece is something that we're working on that will incorporate the pharmacogenomics that will actually give us ideas of how well patients metabolize a particular drug and then we can adjust that drug level. Do they need a high intensity, high dose statin or do, are they more likely to need a low dose? And so mm -hmm. that's part of the software that we're building into the upfront ordering system right now. I see. So that's based on pharmacogenomic mm -hmm. data. I no. see. Um, uh, a simpler example, I mean, on the other sort of the consumer end of things, um, uh, uh, we have a Fortune 500, a Fortune 100 size company that is uh, developing a product um, uh, for for kids, um, and and so in that case, and moms are not very inclined to do blood sticks for their kids, mm -hmm. but but they're happy to tell you age, sex, weight, um, activity levels, um, and then very quickly say. Well, how often do they eat fish? How often do they eat uh, broccoli? How often do they eat uh, uh, various things? So we, we have a survey system that takes them through that, and then in about 10 minutes, the mom has described their child. And then based on some uh, medical standards and, no and norms, uh, governmental norms, we uh, predict that your kid doesn't eat nuts, they don't eat fish, so they're probably low in healthy fats so uh, we would recommend uh, for their age and weight 30 milligrams of DHA, EPA, um, and we're going to add that to the formula. And then the mom um, gets to pick a flavor. They get to pick their kid's favorite little um, car, truck, uh, sports hero, or whatever as a picture to go on it with, along with their name. And so we then make the packages that has the identity, uh, the you know Bobby's formula, um, and and essentially, the best that we can do without actually taking blood sticks right. Right. in right. terms of matching that child's need. We yeah. also, as Edison and I, you know, went out. We went to build the most ideal solution for very personal, uh, for every person. We do have a software package that is expert based, so it has all the ingredients that we currently offer exactly how much you want to put in there you can use slider bars I mean but this is for the diet the registered dietitian or uh, somebody who really knows what we know we found out really early that people think they know what they want but when you put them up to the test can they really decide they don't sure. so they do need some help on that side although you know medical practitioners do want to offer a specific ingredients at a specific dose and so we have that as well for them Getting back to the pharmaceutical uh, side of things, I had some some curiosity questions. Uh, what happens if a person has prescriptions from multiple prescribers, for example? Uh, yeah, that's always a problem, isn't it? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't uh, think that's particular to our. Yeah, solution. I don't think that's right. that's particular to every CVS and Rite Aid in America or what you know. But mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and so if they're the doing their job. They're they're going to pick up. Right, on that, and right? so like I said before, our 
the fulfillment end of this is done in our would be done for instance in a compounding pharmacy and, and initially it'd be done in our triangle com in triangle compounding pharmacy and what our pharmacists do there is actually look and ask those questions and then have indications the software also will ha have that are you taking what else are you taking so the drug drug interactions the uh, will be uh, picked out just like any good pharmacist right. should be doing okay excellent so, so our our cooperation with this large hospital in florida florida hospital they they um uh, they have an electronics health record system of course and um that's one of the goals of our program over the next year or so is that we make an interface to that so that the cardiologist will have a, a, a dashboard for this patient and mm -hmm. um, based on the, the genetic data we will predict of these five different commonly prescribed categories of pharmaceuticals what's the likely best fit for this patient and the doctor though is always the final uh, authorization of that prescription so the cardiologist can see not only what our system uh, is, is offering as a clinical decision aid that is looking at the very complex problems of, uh, of, of matching uh, PGX data to the individual patient. But at the end of the day, the doctor will um, make the prescription call and he may have in front of him from the electronic health records what other things um, this patient may be taking. Mm -hmm. um, so again, we're not trying to subvert uh, the paradigm of the doctor being uh, in charge, but it has become doctors have such a limited amount of time for a patient what we're trying to do is saying look the complexity of applying pharmacogenomic rules to an individual patient is very high so we're going to give you an aid that shows you the best of what's known for this this set and then the the, the physician still has to review that and and approve it uh, explicitly um, before it goes out so I mean those are still the only checks that that are there what's in the electronic health record system and what the doctor finally approves well that, that makes perfect sense absolutely uh, well right now the the system is limited to formulations uh, consisting of generic drugs are there any plans to expand into branded patent protected pharmaceuticals uh, at, well we started with generics because that's what we can get access to but yeah. we, we would certainly welcome a a large pharmaceutical company that had a particular need um, that needed variable dosing or a combination to uh, to work with us on that we we are working with a very large pharmaceutical company but um, and it, with some of their products so uh, we're that is coming and yes. they they have <laughs> they have branded products I mean a lot of them, this uh, particular company has a lot of branded generics um, but we've, um, you know, we've tried to start promoting the notion that um, generics can work really well if they're well matched to the individual. So the sort of the concept of precision generics. So mm -hmm. it's like it's, n it's a generic, but it's a generic matched to you at the right dose and in the right combination. I think that has a lot of appeal to um, to the manufacturers of um, of generics uh, and. There are some drugs which need to be varied in dose. Say, yeah. how about you tell about the aspirin example, which well, is a, a, well, a, a, a hilarious. Well, no, well, <laughs> I, I do want to say though, back to our point is um, the re the other reason we pick generics is really you know the the cost drivers in the United States of having another expensive medication that somebody has to take. Having been in the field a long time, that's what new drugs are. They're expensive and they drive a lot of the cost yeah. of, of new indications and, 
we didn't want to go down that path. We, if we wanted to offer personalization um, at an affordable cost for people, and so our generics are cheap, the active ingredients are they're made by the metric ton in this world, <laughs> most okay. of them, and you can get them inexpensive. Um, the process of putting them together in the formulation is probably will be our most high, our highest cost. But at the end of the day, it needs to be an affordable e product for the patient. Um, and what Edison was re referring to is there's just a recent study um, where they were looking at aspirin and the outcomes from stroke and uh, the effect of weight and sex on that. And although standard pop protocol now for doctors is to issue an 83 milligram aspirin, they actually found out that it is a dose proportionality. You have, for lighter weight people, you need less dose to get the same effects and have less adverse effects. So mm -hmm. just something as simple as that where the standard manufacturing, and guess what? There's no dose product out there in the aspirin. So if you're not going to take any... Well, unless you compound it. Unless uh, you compound right. it and mm -hmm. grind it up. Or yeah. there's no easy way to do that. So here's, a, here's an example of a generic that's being taken by millions of people in the United States, um, but it's not being dosed properly just because the manufacturing of it is limited to 83 milligrams right now for low sure. dose aspirin or 325. So we can yeah, offer you something. That's the baby aspirin. Yeah, right? yeah. Mm -hmm. So we can offer something 50 or 60 or okay. 65. So 100, 114. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Personalized, man. Personalized, right. yes. And so that's what we're trying to get to. I'd like to uh, talk a little bit more about some of the other advantages of, of your system, uh, particularly adherence. Why is that so very important? Yeah, the adherence is the bugaboo of all pharmaceuticals, all dietary supplements, everything you need to take for a long time. And the, the data is out there that most every medication across the whole span within the first year, less than 50% of the people are still on their their meds really wow. and they there's all sorts of reasons why they don't take them cost uh, they don't believe they're working there's you know a whole a whole lot been done in that area but what we do know is from several trials um, that the one trial the biggest one is are done in Europe and Asia is where they have something called the poly pill which they've put five drugs together and for the cardiovascular and they've gotten a 40 percent reduction in secondary heart attacks and, and uh, events and um, other cardiac events. But uh, the reason by that is because they've simplified the delivery. The, in the United States, there's been several studies where they've just put all your pills in one little pack sure. and made it simple so you don't have to decide. You know you take all these days. That simple piece of making it easy to use and party that is, is improves in adherence and this is you know this is a big thing in the medical field there's a lot of people out there developing apps um, or behavioral coaching models and all the so far none of them have really shown to have any outcomes but we do know that simplifying it and make and the other piece we know from a study done in Europe called the food for me study and a study done over here at Duke um, we do know that if you provide people personalized information about their diet they will most likely stay on that diet a long time. If you provide them PGX data showing them that they're not likely to have an adverse event from this medication, they will stay on it a long time. So that adding that personalized piece and simplifying the delivery is our, uh, our, our almost, I wouldn't say we haven't proved it yet, but we feel really confident we can make a, di a, di a dent in that space. 
I've got a great anecdote. One of our um, companies that we've uh, been working with that that uh, services the long-term care facilities. They they uh, had a lot of problems with uh, elderly patients, um, um, failure to thrive, um, difficulty to get them to take their medications and so forth. So they started putting in, in ice cream. And, uh, and the data that they reported is that once they started putting all of these things in all of the medications into ice cream, that adherence became 99%. So, <laughs> so, Go so, figure. <laughs> so one, one of the things that we uh, have been doing in all of our formulation work is we try to make the, um, the things that we're making taste good. Mm-hmm. And um, so far we've been doing um, gels and um, uh, and uh, pudding types of formulations or fruit puree types of formulations and we do do sensory trials we've done sensory trials with NC State on some of our formulations we want them to taste good and and in fact we want to it on a month-to-month basis when you get tired of blueberry next month you can order mango and so you know you can actually change it up so it, it stays interesting and so hopefully you'll keep doing it because um, you have some control over uh, what it's like. Absolutely. Well, I understand that another one of the advantages is is actually improved outcomes, improved efficacy. Well, that would be an outcome you would see with improved adherence, right? Mm, so that's, okay. that's a driver. You improve out adherence, you improve outcomes. And those are, you know, studies that were in the early days of talking with um, – uh, with the hospital group we're working is how would you do a, a long-term adherence study and, and then for them you know they need improved adherence on readmissions they they get dinged financially if they have readmits and right. so from a hospital's point of view we've been told they're a big driver prove adherence the people stay on their medications longer they're less likely to have the next event that they were trying to prevent and not and get back in the hospital so all those studies are um, things we're planning to do in the future uh, but the data of how we're doing this really pushes me to feel that we have a really good chance of making an impact in that area it sounds like it absolutely well uh, you've already discussed the nutrition products but I, I'd like to ask a question or two about that specifically uh, you know in, in reading over your materials it, it suddenly occurred to me that ultimately the nutrition product could prove to be an even bigger business <laughs> than the personalized Oh, pharma. you don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it has surprised us. Because nearly everyone could benefit from that. Well, the, pers- the nutrition business, the dietary supplement business, is we went in there because uh, it's less, you know, we have to do less things to prove product safety and efficacy than you do in the pharmaceutical business. Sure. And Edison wants to build a company, and I, yes, I do too. So we started down that pathway. Um, but the personalized nutrition um, has really exploded. Edison was just at a conference last week, and I, he, he can tell you a little bit what he heard on that. But all of our big partners, other than the one pharma company we're working with, are huge nutrition companies right okay. now. Well, e- even our Fortune 100 company is actually has a, f- uh, a nutrition division and a medical foods and med- and clinical nutrition business. So, you know, I, we have a, a wonderful partner in Australia. Uh, they're one of the oldest companies in Australia, and they and, and they they they're one of the biggest uh, manufacturers of uh, of, of food um, and uh, in in, uh, in healthy foods, functional foods. 
and um, but they also own the hospitals in Sydney and a couple of other cities. So they literally cover the whole spectrum from uh, food that goes into a grocery store all the way through. But they are um, Adventist, and they, which is at the Adventist communities in uh, Loma Linda, one of the nine blue zones in the world that where uh, where uh, people live to be healthy to 100. And so they have some very strong philosophies about doing this, but they see healthcare as a continuum where um, early on when you don't have any indications of disease, you need to do things uh, that are still healthy from a dietary standpoint, from a supplement standpoint. Um, and then as you begin to see indications uh, or have tests that say maybe your, your cholesterol is high or whatever, you need to add maybe a stronger form of medication or, and they've gone down the path of, of exploring natural ingredients, doing clinical trials in their hospitals, and they have actually on the market a product in Australia that has been shown that if you eat this every day, it's the equivalent of taking a statin. It has the same impact on your LDL, HDL uh, cholesterol levels. So they actually see this sort of merging of food and medicine um, food as medicine sure um, and and then we see as you get to the other end medicine as food you know yeah. so it's, it becomes uh, but they see it more as a continuum and we believe that's the trend of the world that people will want to understand their own health better they want to start early in life um, of doing things right. that th that uh, are preventative um, and delay the time when they actually need to take stronger pharmaceuticals and more concentrated drugs so, um, you know, that's, that's how we see the world rolling out. But as Staten was saying, from a business perspective, um, uh, you know, technically I, I wanted to build the machine initially, all the, all the systems based on dietary supplements because our machine, it doesn't really care if it's vitamin D in this sterile bag or a torvastatin. Um, sure. So technically we could prove that this system would work with an ingredient that we could get and where the regulatory hurdles weren't so high um, before we moved on to pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. um, however, now that we built that system and it works and we've shown it to companies, they're like, oh my God, the, the world is waking up to uh, personalization. Yeah. Well, um, one of the things Edison and I pitched this five, six years ago at a big conference personalization, and we made a lot of strong contacts then. But the world was not quite ready for it, then the personalized nutrition. In the last year, we've had several of these big companies come to us, and they have strategic initiatives within there, in, in the, within there to do something in the personalized nutrition space. So right. uh, it is getting ready to explode. We hope we're in the right place at the right time. We we're hoping. We, we've been hanging out on the surfboard there for about five years <laughs> waiting for that wave to come. There you go. You are listening to Radio In Vivo, and my guests today are Staten Noel III and Edison Hudson, the co-founders of Panaceutics Incorporated. Well, gentlemen, now that we're thoroughly acquainted with the, your current business, I'd like to back up a bit and hear more about the history of Panaceutics. Where did this remarkable startup company come from? My kitchen. <laughs> okay. That, well, that's Our, uh, you know, often the case. If you, if you could see us, we're not actually young guys, so we have, <laughs> we have right. a lot of experience and have worked in a lot of different systems. Um, I, and really, it comes out of... Um, uh, Edison and I have a relationship for a long, long time. I've known him all my life. <laughs> yes. Well, he's actually my, my uncle. 
So <laughs> no, no, but we've never had a chance no, to work cool. together. But uh, we've uh, over the we both are from North Carolina. So uh, every time we got together, we were always talking about different ideas and things and crazy stuff of science stuff and stuff we talk about. And uh, at one point, um, there was a time in our both of our careers where he was winding down at iRobot. I was left GSK, and we were looking for what our next big thing to do. And uh, we just started talking about it and putting our heads together on how to solve this problem that you know was coming with our skill set. So sure. it, it came through a long lifetime relationship mm -hmm. and a, a right timing um, for both of us, and uh, hopefully and uh, crazy enough to do something like and this. And we don't we don't always agree, and we fight a lot, but <laughs> we, but we but we love each other. So uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, so we end up. Uh, the result of that is is that you uh, and particularly in in what we've done. Um, uh, essentially, I come from much more of a technology, physics, um, automation, business background, and St Staten comes from the life sciences. The fuzzy, the fuzzy logic of life science. Right. But, <laughs> but uh, the, the cross-pollinization of two different disciplines is, I think, the chemistry that produced what we have. It's essentially uh, the realization, as I said, you know, the, the, the pharmaceutical and even and the food industry, they try to make one size fits all um, and uh, and so um, they do that be primarily because they're stuck with manufacturing methods that are half a century old yeah. and um, so having worked in the cutting edge of Silicon Valley on the most exotic sort of materials and processes um, and machinery um, and I, I built machines for Intel and IBM and Taiwan Semiconductor and a lot of other companies to uh, to make their products. I had that perspective of here's a whole other way to manufacture things um, than is being done in traditionally. So I think it was that cross pollination of our of our two quite different um, in industry experiences that produced something that really it's different. It's 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 not that we've invented uh, something that's um, that was unheard of before. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a different way to deliver it. I always like to say, Thomas Edison didn't invent light. He <laughs> just invented <laughs> right, yeah. a way to deliver light and, sure. uh, and sound and some other things. So we think that delivering things in a way that's more humanly compatible um, will help people manage their own health. Yeah, and, and you know, from my point of view, having worked a long time where you, you do experiments or you do a study, and then you average the data, and you try to push everything into this distribution curve. Mm -hmm. The fascinating pieces to me were all the outliers and why things were different and why people didn't fit. And as a society, as a, for, for our governing regulations, bodies, FDA, they don't, they really only are looking at population, how to manage population. They're not looking at the individual. But when you're an individual, it, <laughs> you matter. And so, <laughs> you don't care about the population, right. what it works so. in other. So, for, for us, that was the big challenge. And my real thinking is, like, we have to think about, you know, the end of one. What is important to the mm -hmm. person, not just these broad market category this works in everybody that sets up more confusion i believe in the marketplace than anything else is trying to push out a product that's you know it works for everybody or that you're in this age group it works for you it might sure. not work for you well with, you, with the advent over the last decade particularly of pharmacogenomics that philosophy has really come into its own yeah 
Right. Uh, so many uh, pharmaceutical products now have you know accompanying. Yeah, they're trying to make a product just for you, but you know yeah. the, the they, once again the marketing and the manufacturing becomes difficult then because they're going to only have a few people to sell it to. Yeah, <laughs> we are taking products that have been sold to people and just putting them together in a better combination that works for them. Sure. Well, like so many startups, uh, there have been some key milestones uh, in your company's progress. Could you give us a little bit of a, a timeline and, and talk about some of the some of the key points that have brought you to where you are today and at poised for a major success? Um, sure. We uh, we started the company in March of 2013. I guess we talked about it from literally from Christmas Day till March, and uh, and and then filed a patent um, which had a lot of claims in it and. Um, um, and began to build the business. I mean, we literally experimented in my kitchen uh, several weekends to, to sort of see if any any of the concepts would stick. Um, and then we um, we moved into an incubator um, in uh, in RTP called First Flight, appropriately. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, rented a small space there. Um, uh, Andy Swab, who runs the uh, First Flight Innovation Center, is a real friend. Um, I had been on uh, in a, in a uh, angel uh, financing group with him and had helped fund a few companies myself and um, so we got a little space there and we we built a lab um, began to work seriously on how to do it and um, uh, at the point in time that we actually had something that needed to be a production line we needed a clean room and we were able to move into a facility uh, uh, further down Davis Drive um, renting a little space from a uh, from a company called Babies, which uh, uh, was uh, had previously been Advanced Liquid Logic. So we're sort of startups building on the back of startups, building on the back of startups. <laughs> I mean, so um, and that's been the progression. Um, once we ran that pilot line for about a year and kind of had a lot of data, we realized what was I made my engineers run the uh, the machines and do the production and. Um, uh, and we, by in that sort of using it in anger, uh, we realized what needed to be f made better. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we did a new design, uh, built out a new facility. We raised money from a lot of local angels along the way and some funds. And um, we, we have to give a shout out to my friends at North Carolina Biotechnology. Absolutely. The Biotech Center has, has been, been very supportive of us. Very supportive and um, have helped fund some of the uh, the basic research that we needed to do, particularly on stability of ingredients. Um, and without their help, at certain points, we wouldn't have gotten the, the hard science that we needed to prove that what we're doing is real. Which is what yeah. they're they're yeah. all about. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I know you're one of their success stories. Yeah, well, we hope to be more successful. But <laughs> I think you know the big the big milestones is you know getting some big industry players to come look at us. All you know we've had so many of them sitting in our little boardroom. You know, but it's been very exciting and got a couple of them to sign up. We've got this expansion in Danville we're doing. So these are some you know milestones that we're 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 clicking along at right now. We hope to keep doing. I, I do want to uh, just emphasize we do intend to keep the company uh, North Carolina centric um, and uh, all of the research and development we still plan to do uh, and add an RTP. Um, just the cost of manufacturing space so I mean the the facility in Danville is just purely manufacturing and 
we pay um, you know thirty forty dollars a square foot in, in in the research triangle in the area and and there we are in a facility that's five dollars a square foot wow. so it's but <laughs> uh, when you're making it's worth the drive to Denver. yeah when you're making uh, consumer products you have to control costs and, and a shout out to lo the launch place up there in Danville Virginia is a is an investor in us and have been a that's great right. supporter as well yes to us well some of the partnerships you've established have been really really key to this point right yes yes yeah, yeah I mean the big drivers are the Fortune 100 company that we have that's driving big product and expansion for us. And we have a global international ingredient company that is pushing us really hard to look at some uh, other partners that um, make our heads spin. They're so large because when you said we need a bigger space, we need lots more bigger space because I think, like I said, the personalized uh, nutrition market is going to explode. All yeah. of them want to be in it. And we just happen to be w in the right place at the right time, one of the games in town that they're looking at. Now, there's lots of people out there doing genetic testing, and there's quite a few companies that are beginning to offer a consumer at home um, uh, micronutrient analysis and things like that. And we, we think there will be a ton of those companies. We've, we've talked to executives at LabCorp. We kind of understand where they're going. Mm -hmm. We decided that's not a place we want to be. Um, but, but most people have been focusing on the diagnostics, the genetic test, um, and and a software-intensive thing. Not too many companies around that actually want to get their hands dirty and manufacture something. So um, that's really what distinguishes us. Well, Edison and Staten, uh, I am convinced that before long we are going to be able to say we knew them when. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on Radio In Vivo today, and I wish you the best of luck for continued success with Panasutics. Thanks so Thanks. much. Thanks, Ernie. We've got some great guests lined up in the coming weeks here on Radio and Vivo. You can check the website, radioandvivo.net, or our Facebook site for our lineup of upcoming shows. So please join us again next time for Radio and Vivo, your link to the Triangle Science community, right here on Volunteer Power, WCOM-FM, Carborough, and Chapel Hill. And if you enjoy the show, we ask that you support the station by visiting our website, wcomfm.org, and making a secure online contribution by clicking the Donate Now button. We rely on listener support to keep your voice in the community on the air. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time.